good, grab your Bible. This morning as you're reaching for your Bible, I ask you to turn to Luke, Luke chapter number 6 this morning. This morning I want to remind you that we choose to believe the Bible because it is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. It reports supernatural events that took place in fulfillment of prophecy. It's divine, not human in origin. You might say, preacher, why do you re- why do you repeat that every week? Well, sometimes when I scan over the audience, our congregation, believe me, you're not an audience. I'm preaching to Jesus and you just happen to hear it. I'm exalting him. But as I look over the congregation, some of you are mouthing the words that are repeated over and over. When somebody asks you, why do you believe the Bible? Well, you had the answer. It's on the tip of your tongue. I told you. It's a reliable collection of historical documents. But this morning, I want to remind you of the five solas like I do each and every week. Uh, We believe in sola scriptura. Our Bible is the highest authority in our life. We believe in sola fide, which is faith alone. And we believe and have confidence and trust in something or or really someone. And that's sola Christus. And that's Christ alone. We trust in Christ and believe in Him and lean upon Him. And when we trust and believe in Him, we receive sola gracia, which is simply grace alone. That we're saved simply by grace, not our works, not what we worked our fingers to the bone to accomplish to earn heaven that's grace and grace alone that's been bestowed upon us and that with a big jewel at the top of the crown it's sola deo gloria the grandest jewel of all of theology that means that God alone receives the glory he receives the glory and the grace that we receive he receives the glory that he sent Christ to die for sinners he receives the glory that he gives us faith to believe in him he gets the glory because of the scriptures that edify and magnify the name of the Lord. Sola Deo Gloria. God alone receives the glory. The singing today, victory in Jesus was to God's glory. The preaching today is for God's glory. The worship today is for God's glory. The fellowship today is for God's glory. So to God be the glory this morning. If you turn to Luke chapter number 6 this morning, the last time we were together, we spoke about Jesus being the Lord of the Sabbath. We talked about Jesus whenever the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to critique and tear down and criticize Jesus. That lets me know that Jesus being the greatest preacher who ever existed, the greatest preacher, preacher who ever walked across the horizon of humanity and spoke to fallen mankind. He was critiqued. Then that lets me know that I'm doing uh, doing pretty well because I get critiqued and that's okay. If Jesus is going to get critiqued, then I will too. And I want to go ahead and let a side note be known that Jesus was the greatest preacher who ever preached, but yet one of his followers was the devil. So it really ain't the preacher's fault. Amen. Somebody. Sometimes it's just the ground. Sometimes the seed falls on hard ground and it can't take root. Amen. Somebody. But this morning we're going to look, but I do want to remind you that he is called the the Lord of the Sabbath. We looked last week in the book of Daniel chapter 7 where he was called the Son of Man. That was his favorite phrase to identify himself. In the Old Testament he was spoken of as the one who was presented before the Ancient of Days. God himself. And there was the Son of Man in the vision of Daniel. And now Jesus takes that name. And now he is letting the Pharisees know, I am deity. The Pharisees understood the prophecies of Daniel. So when Jesus said, I am the Son of Man, the Pharisees knew full and well that Jesus was claiming to be God. So that's why they crucified Jesus. Not because he raised the dead. Not because he broke bread and fed five thousands. Not because he walked on the water. They killed Jesus because he claimed to be God. But the thing is, 
The Pharisees knew that He was God. They knew He claimed to be God and they knew He was doing God works. So that makes their punishment all the more worthy. Is that your story this morning? You know Jesus is God. You know without a shadow of doubt. But you don't adhere to His commandments. You don't honor Him, live for Him, and serve Him. Hell's a little hotter for you. Preacher, what is, are we already going there? Yes, yes. I do you no favors this morning to patty cake with you and play games with you. Let us examine ourselves. I'm preparing you for your deathbed if you get a deathbed. You might get lucky enough that we gather around your bedside and weep with you and cry as you step into glory. Some of us will die instantly. Some of us will have cancer. and Some of us will have aneurysms and fall dead. And we will stand before God on judgment day. I'm just preparing you for that day. We're so far removed from death in our society. When we die, we call Miss Patsy and her, and her company. They come and they come and take the body away and prepare it for death. Even whenever we slaughter our animals, we just go to Walmart and pick up a couple of packs. We don't see the blood. We're so far removed from death. It's almost unheard of to imagine that we're mortal and we will die. And we will stand before God. You're being hateful when you say those things. They hurt my feelings. Sorry, Snowflake, you will die and you will stand before God. But this morning, I want you to look at Jesus, the great physician. In verse number 6 of Luke chapter number 6. On another Sabbath day. You notice that Jesus is found in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Y'all see that, right? On another Sabbath day, He's there. If we were to be like Jesus... If we're to be like Christ, if we are to be Christians, we are to follow His example. Oh, here we go. I know where He's going with this. That means i got to go to church. It's true now. It's true. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. But if you're a Christian, you'll be in church. We're to be like Christ. Follow His example. Do what Jesus did. Jesus gathered. He is God. He is deity. He still went to church. Many people believe they're God, so they don't have to go to church. And if they go to church, they expect everybody to worship them. I don't like that song. I don't like how we did that. I don't like what you said. I understand what you're saying, but I, I but 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 that, but I, I, when we throw that but in there, with the, we're just negating everything the preacher said. If he's going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, these are the very oracles of God. But I don't want to do that. I'm going to do what I want to do. On another Sabbath day, Jesus was there and he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. A man came to church even though he won't whole. This man still gathered the church even though he was broken. We do well to follow that example as well. Even this morning, if you ain't got it all together, if you got a cussing problem, if you drank too much, if you use drugs that nobody knows about, if you are depressed today, if you are dirty and unpure, wretched, still go to church. Wait a minute. No, I don't want to go to church. That's the last place I want to be. That's the best place for you to be. It's like I got a gaping wound and it's bleeding all over the place. And one of my friends said, hey, you need to go to the hospital. No, I don't want to go to the hospital. They help me. And you walk away bleeding. I don't want to go to the hospital. They'll just judge me. Come on. You're wounded. You're hurting and you're limping. Go somewhere where they'll help you. That's right. Maybe 
Maybe those who've wounded have gone to other churches and they're wounding and they're bleeding all over everything and everybody. Oh, you can't do that here. We don't do that here. We don't want that baggage. We don't want you struggling all in here, making everybody uncomfortable. You can't come here. Well, that's not a hospital. That's a museum. Well, we put things on display and make trophies of things. We don't do that here. You can't, you can't come in here with all those troubles. You can come with your troubles. You can come with your suffering. You can come with your brokenness. Just get to Jesus. I don't know about you, if my child was in trouble and the doctor was all the way across the road or in the middle of a crowd, I'll elbow my way, face palm whoever, push and get to them to help my child. You got children and you got family members that are suffering, who are broken, get them to Jesus at any cost. Maybe you just got complacent. Maybe you just don't think Jesus can help them. But this man, even though he had a withered hand, he still goes to church. He doesn't say, well, I ain't going because uh, they're going to look at my withered hand. Everybody knew he had a withered hand. Everybody knew. But he went anyway. So whatever issue you got, some of you, your issues are out in the open. Everybody knows your issues. You carry the nickname. You put the nickname there and your last name. There's Fat Tom. Well, there you go. Fat Tom. That's how you know he's real fat because he's, he's, he's got the nickname Fat Tom. Or there's, there's loose, loose Susie. Not she ain't here, not Susie, but there's loose so-and-so. They got issues. They got problems. That's their nickname, their moniker. Even in the Bible, we see where people carried the name Simon the leper. He, he bore the nickname. Maybe you got a nickname and everybody knows it. Go to church anyway. Go anyway. There's angry Kevin. Go anyway. Because you ain't really there for them. If I were going to hospital with a gaping womb, I'm not trying to tend to everybody else. I'm coming to get help. Help me. Here I am. Jesus, I'm broken. Help me. And when I'm better, I'm able to help somebody else. When I'm better, I'm able to forgive other people because I'm forgiven. The man with the withered hand still went to church. And today, if you're listening by podcast, because I want to let everybody know, we're on Amazon, we're on Spotify, we're, we're worldwide. And people are listening all around in India and in Vietnam. They're listening. And if you quit church because of people, you were going for the wrong reason anyway. Amen. I ain't going back there because they did this and they said that about me. Find you a church where they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Go and serve Jesus. And preacher, if you're listening, you quit because of people. You were preaching to the wrong. You were preaching for the wrong reason. Amen. Preach because Jesus commanded you to. Preach even if it fills the room up or empties the room. Preach because that's what your master commanded. Amen. So, the man with the withered hand goes to church. What's your excuse? I can't go. I don't want to go. I ain't got no gas in my car. Call somebody. They'll pick you up. What carpool? Amen. I, I got. I got addictions and troubles and str- I'm struggling. That's the point. You're struggling. People who embrace their addictions and embrace their sin, they just embrace it. They're not struggling. They don't care. They're in it. The point is you're knuckling up and you're fighting. I I don't want this to overwhelm me and take control of me and and have every facet of my life under its control. I I need help. I need to be around other believers and serve a living God. I need to find somewhere where I can go with my withered hand. Welcome to the river. 
Well, everybody's got issues, even a preacher, especially a preacher. So the man goes, hey, I heard that, wife. We, we go now further on as Jesus goes to church. The man, Jesus who was holy, a down-to-earth deity, goes to church. The man with the withered hand, the issues go to church. You have no excuse. Be in church. Hebrew says, deny not the assembly together. But there's a pandemic. Okay. There's monkey pots is next. Okay. We got the murder hornets, bears with bazookas. You name it. We've done all that. Get to church. Go to church. We've done all that. His hand was withered. In verse 7, and the scribes and the Pharisees watched him. Oh, yes. Religious people, they're watching Jesus. I bet they're going to worship him. No, they ain't. Nope. They wanted to watch him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath. They want to see if Jesus is going to move him so they can condemn him. And say, that's work. You're working. You're breaking the rules, Jesus. How ironic that the Pharisees critique Jesus for breaking the laws of God when He's the very one who gave the laws to the Pharisees. How ironic. The Pharisees watched Him to see whether He would heal on the Sabbath so they might find a reason to accuse Him. They wanted to accuse Jesus. They wanted to slander Him. They wanted to tear Him down. Have you ever had anybody want to do that? Try to set you up and come after you? Well, see, uh, around Christmas time, we always have these little Bethlehem scenes in front of our house. There's a baby Jesus in every one of them. You know, it's got that old fluorescent light bulb in it. If it gets too hot, it'll burn your hand. You know what I'm talking about. Those, those scenes with the wise men and plastic baby Jesus. You know, I can't relate to plastic baby Jesus. Plastic baby Jesus is plastic. Plastic baby Jesus don't bleed. Plastic baby Jesus don't cry. It just lays there and looks pretty and glows. Many people believe that our God is just a plastic God who glows in the front yard. And then we put Him in the closet the rest of the year. We don't relate to Him. But I relate to a Jesus who takes criticism and weeps and bleeds. I can relate to a God like that. I can relate to a God who had one of his friends betray him. I can relate to that. I can relate to a God who feels so lonely in the garden and weeping and feeling all alone and asking God to let the cup pass from him. I can relate to that. I can relate to a God who stands outside the tomb of Lazarus, one of his friends that had died, and weeps. I can relate to that. Nobody understands me. Nobody gets me. Jesus does. Jesus understands. He walked in the dust. He walked with it. He was hungry. He, he was thirsty. He weeped. He laughed. Our God understands. He is our mediator is what Colossians says. A mediator is one who's between two parties that understands both sides. He understands our frailty. He understands our humiliation and our brokenness. Our God understands. Our Jesus understands that. Because He was a down-to-earth deity, God in the flesh. However, He understands holiness, righteousness and goodness and purity. He understands God's power and His might. So we have the perfect mediator between man and God, Jesus Christ. Here he is about to be criticized and accused by the Pharisees on this Sabbath day. If you look with me in verse number 8, 
But he knew their thoughts. Oh, man. How about it? Jesus knows our thoughts. He knows our intentions. He knows our hearts. And this is when he was derobed of his glory and put on humanity. He knew their thoughts there in the synagogue. I want to let you know he sat shoulder to shoulder with God on high. The Ancient of Days. Jesus Christ, the second holy member of the Trinity, sits beside the Father. And He still knows your thoughts. Some of y'all are scarce. Some of y'all, it comforts you. Because you meditate on His law day and night, like it says in Psalms number 1. On His law you meditate. Let the meditations of my heart and the thoughts of my mind be glorious to you, O Lord, is what the Psalms tells us. But He knew their thoughts in verse number 8. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come and stand here. First of all, I want to let you know that this man came to church that day not to be exhibit A whenever they accused Jesus on that court day. He just goes to church hoping to find help. Maybe he's gone comfortable with the fact that his hand's withered. Maybe he's alright with it. Maybe he's just lived with it. That's the story of many of us in the congregation today. We're just living with our afflictions. We're okay with it. It's fine. Don't bring no attention to me. Leave me alone. I'm here today. Check out the boxes. But then again, Jesus says, hey, you come up here. You come up front. Why does Jesus do that? To draw attention. And He rose and stood there is what the man did in verse number 9. Jesus said to them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or do harm? To save life or to destroy it? Jesus looks at the scholars and the theologians that were gathered there. Those who were well educated in the Torah and the laws of God. And He says, is it good to do good on the Sabbath or to destroy a life? Is it good to restore and heal? And I know a beautiful debate is about to take place. I'm sure these lawyers and scribes who love to argue stood up and debated Jesus about this issue. But uh, it didn't take place. They fell silent. Because Jesus checkmated them. Their hearts were wicked. They knew who Jesus was. And they would not accept Him. And to agree with Jesus is to agree with the enemy. In verse 10, after looking around at them, He said to him, To the man with the withered hand, he said, in verse 10, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was restored. That's glorious. All these rabbis and Sadducees and Pharisees and people with all kinds of degrees around this man, and they couldn't help him. All these people who carried... Big scrolls, you know, like our Bibles that are real big. They garnered respect. Respect when people walk by. Rabbi. All these people sat around the man with the withered hand and nobody could help him. And the man with the withered hand just accepted it. But Jesus showed up at that synagogue that day and told him to stretch his hand out. And in the stretching, the man stretches his hand out. And as he stretched it, Tendons got strong. Muscles grew. Veins opened. Healing took place. Jesus commanded the man to do it. I want you to see this. You got to hear this. Jesus commanded it, but the man probably was standing there. I can't do that. My hand is withered. 
didn't do that. I knew you commanded me to do it. But I can't. How did he stretch out his hand? Well, when he commanded it, he gave him the ability to do it. Y'all understand that, right? Because his hands wither. He can't. So when God commands his people to live righteous and holy, I can't do that. I can't live righteous and holy. You know where I come from? I come from a long line of bootleggers, horse thieves, and wife beaters. I can't do that. I can't do that. It's not in me. He commands you to be righteous and holy. So what do you do? You stretch out your withered hand. And the healing takes place as you stretch. Whoever you are, He commands you to be righteous. He commands you to serve Him. I can't serve you. I don't even know how. He gives you the strength. Whatever He demands and commands, He provides. Our God just does that. Get this. Let me wrap your brain around something here. It will blow your mind. He commands you to do it. You can't do it. He gives you the ability to do it. When you do it, He gives you a crown. No glorious story has ever been told that beats that. I can't, I can't be faithful in my marriage. I can't. He gives you the strength to. I can't forgive them. I can't forgive what they said to me, what they did to me. He gives you the strength to forgive. Amen. You hear me? I can't walk in holiness and righteousness. He gives you the strength to do it. And when you do it, on that day when you stand before Him, and He opens the books and He judges you, even the believers are standing before God on a judgment. It's called the Bema Seat. And our, our works are tested according to His power and His might. Selfish ambition is torn away and, and it's tried by fire. The things that we really did for Him, that He did through us, are the only things that will stand. He will crown us with glory. And the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that we take our crowns, the rewards that He gave us, and you know what we do with them? We throw them at His feet. Sole Deo Gloria. He gets the glory. He gets the glory for us forgiving people. He gets the glory for us helping people. He gives us the glory for stretching out our withered hands when we can't even do it. He gets the glory. Amen. So this morning, whoever you are with the withered hand, stretch it out. I, I can't do this. I can't. You want me to live alone? I'm single? I can't. You want me to accept my mortality and the twilight of my life when I lived a full life and I'm, I'm seeing that the end of the road is coming? I don't know if I can accept that. You want me to give up this position or do that and move here? You want me to work over here in this job? You want me to, you want me to move? I can't do that. It's not in me. He gives that ability to you. Amen. I can't repent today. I can't. Because I love this too much. I just can't. Ephesians tells us that he, he calls you before the foundation of the world to repent. He gives you the strength. He gives you the power to repent. Oh, that's glorious. That all glory goes to Him. All might goes to Him. It was Him the whole time that kept me, held me. It's to Him alone who receives the glory. I don't know about y'all about to lose my mind up here. It's Him who receives the glory. Whoever you are with your withered hand, stretch it out. Here I am, Jesus.
Do what thy will with me. Let us bow our heads. Father, this morning I pray that you would...